0: Deacons are called to show forth the compassion of Christ in a manifold ministry of mercy towards the saints and strangers on behalf of the church. They exercise a recognized stewardship of care and of gifts for those in need or distress.
1: You're listening to episode 134 of Mid-America Reformed Seminary's Roundtable Podcast. In this broadcast, the faculty of Mid-America discuss Reformed theology and cultural issues, all from a Reformed perspective. I'm Jared Luchibor, Director of Marketing. Thank you for tuning in. In today's episode, Dr. Alan Strange concludes his series on church offices by looking at the office of deacon and the Ministry of Mercy. Check it out.
0: Well, Jared, again, it's a delight to finish up these few talks together with you and our listeners as we've been thinking especially about church office. And there are three church offices. We've talked about ministers, their distinction from elders. We've talked quite a lot about ministers and elders together. They're, they're fruitfully talked about together because they serve together so closely. Uh, but I'd like us to finish talking about deacons and um, I want to begin the deacons uh, with a little bit of a story that uh, some of our listeners might particularly appreciate, some of our good Reformed listeners. I was quite a young professor here, and I, was, I had been lecturing the Presbyterians, but now the Reform fellows were up, and a different uh, brother was teaching them, but he had in a guest lecturer, and I wanted to hear the guest lecturer, and it was P.Y. DeYoung. And I go into the cloud and I say, Dr. Young, may I come in? Oh, my good friend, Reverend Strange, please come in, come in. And he's there sitting down with his, both of his hands propped at the top of his cane. If you've ever seen him doing that, you'll know just what I mean. And, um... I, have, I had a seat and he said, come in, Brother Strange, come in, come in. He said, well, it's good that you're here today to hear my lectures on the deacons because uh, I think you Presbyterian fellows have a bit of a low view of the deacons. Uh, I, I think you sort of see, you know, everything's in the eldership and then the deacons, it's like, uh, okay, we're in the meeting, go get us some coffee. Uh, <laughs> and of course, everyone laughed and I laughed and let me say this, there is some truth in what Dr. DeYoung said. Now what I mean by that is this. I think it is the case that Presbyterianism, especially because it's debated so much, the question of are the elder and minister the same office and they've talked so much about elder and minister. Uh, and particularly those that are to office. This is what I've found, and I don't mean by that our good PCA brothers that I've talked about, because they're not to office in a formal way, even as we're not to office in the OPC, and none of ours are really properly to office. But there are folk who really are to office, and I've found that the more that they see, folks see just an elder, and in other words, you know, there's just the office of elder, and the minister is an elder who happens to preach, like the elder who rules is, a, is an elder, and he might preach too, uh, some of these two, two office folk will say. Um, I found especially that those folk have a rather low view of the office of deacon, and in a lot of our Presbyterian churches, I think there is functionally a low view of the office of deacon, and what I mean by that is the deacons who are given a wonderful ministry in the New Testament, a ministry of mercy, a ministry of care for the poor and needy, especially in an affluent society like many corners of our society has been. I think in in such a society, it's easy to just have the deacon handle the money or pay attention to the building it's too hot in here. Get a deacon to turn the air conditioning on. This certainly comes out of a lot of the churches where I come from down south. There is a fairly low view of the deacon, and I think the way you see it in the reformed churches that reflects a higher view is a regular meeting together of the elders and the deacons, I should say the ministers, the elders and the deacons, in other words, all the office bearers meeting together in what churches will refer to as the council. So you'll have the consistory, which is the separated out body of elders and ministers, and they issue discipline and deal with all those kinds of things. By the way, we have an extended series on discipline. You can listen to that. But the deacons in many Presbyterian churches, as I say, are sort of uh, reduced to the treasury and the building concerns. In many cases, because there has not been, and this is an interesting challenge to all of our Presbyterian and Reformed churches, and I want to say, this is kind of where I'm going with all this. If the idea is, well, we're all pretty well off here, really? We are? shouldn't the church be something different then? In other words, if we feel like nobody here really has diaconal needs, are we outreaching as we ought to be? Uh, I think that our diaconate should be in frequent use because we're seeking to get in and we're seeking to minister to people who are— this isn't isn't a capitalist club where, you know, the wealthy— maybe you haven't read James lately if you've forgotten that— uh, James is extremely challenging and convicting, but we can, we can easily in our sorts of churches take an approach um, where class and distinction of wealth uh, play a real role. It's an interesting thing in American society, and I, I think um, in American society, because of the way society was built and established, We don't tend to acknowledge that there is such a thing as class, but I think there is such a thing as class. The British readily acknowledge it because it's built into their system. I mean, if you have a nobility and a monarchy, you obviously have class, And but we don't tend to admit that we have class. We'll say that there are racial problems, and there certainly have historically been and are different sorts of racial problems, but race is not the only distinguisher of person from person. We have class distinctions in our society. We have wealth distinctions in our society, and the deacons are called to quote chapter 11 of our form of government OPCs to show forth the compassion of Christ in a manifold ministry of mercy towards the saints and strangers on behalf of the church. They exercise a recognized stewardship of care and of gifts for those in need or distress. So it's assumed that this is among us. Notice this, that deacons are a distinct New Testament office. You know, I've talked a lot about in our little talks together how that elders, elders of the people, elders in the gates, this is an Old Testament office. And now we've had the ministerium, which you could say is a replacement. uh, And the Westminster Presbyterian Former Church Government says that it calls evangelical pastors the kind of replacements for the Levites. We don't have those anymore, but we have gospel preachers. But deacons are a distinct New Testament office. Acts 6, And then what, of course, we read in 1 Timothy 3, 8 to 13, the office of the care of the poor and needy belonged to the people as a whole in the Old Testament. It's not that there wasn't a concern for that. It belonged to the people as a whole and to the Levites in the land who collected the tax for the relief of the poor. So the way it belonged to everybody was there were provisions for things like gleaning laws that was to care for the poor, you weren't to, to over-harvest your field. You were to let with things that fell, you were to leave it to fall for people to come and take uh, and not simply strip bare everything. So there were gleaning laws. There were Sabbath year laws every seven years, and every seven, seven, you had Jubilee years. We could spend some time. I'll, I'll leave this to my good Old Testament colleagues to speak of at other times, with the, wor- with the worldwide spread of the gospel, think of it this way, what had belonged to a now-defunct office, to the degree that the Levites had some supervision with the poor tithes and so forth, at a time in which the faith was largely restricted to a particular ethnicity in a defined land, that is to say, the Jews in Canaan. So in the Old Testament, everybody was gathered together, so to speak. Uh, but with the globalization of the gospel that is, there's a real threat to maintaining the well-being of all. The church in Jerusalem, which was apparently and understandably chiefly Hebraic, responded to the complaint among the Greek Christians that their widows were neglected in poor relief by appointing Greek brothers to serve as deacons to meet the needs of the whole church, Hebrew and Greek. Uh, Again, it's interesting how Some people these days might look at something like that, maybe a non-Christian, but even maybe a Christian, and say, well, they elected uh, people with Greek names to make it clear that they were not going to neglect the Gentiles, that they were going to care for them. That's politically correct. We don't ever want to call following God's law, following God's command to love one another, to care for one another, to look out for one another, politically correct. We have to be very clear about these things, and so it's it's a wonderful thing that these widows who were neglected in poor relief, these Greek widows, uh, they appointed Greek brothers to serve as deacons to meet all of their needs, and this furnishes a pattern that should be, but has not always sadly been imitated, a pattern of fair and equitable distribution to the needy among us. We need to make sure that there is there's a real care uh, among us for the needy and not simply to say, well, if you were really industrious, you wouldn't have any problems or needs. In a sense, our society has promoted that sort of thinking because it's been so prosperous. And and, and you might notice I seem to almost be speaking in the past tense. Well, I don't know where our society is going. Uh, I don't think any of us do. And um, people have talked about this. What, what if we lose our jobs standing for the faith. I just had someone tell me I work in a correctional institution in Illinois and I have been told that I have to identify a specific pronoun. I have to use a gender pronoun of my choice and that has to be in my correspondence. And the person said I've never done that sort of thing and I don't intend to do it now. I'm not going to do it. It's, it's, it's ridiculous the point is, is that person could lose their job. Other people can lose their jobs. What are we going to do in the church? Uh, we're going to say too bad? you know. No, we, we really might have to start looking out for each other in ways that we haven't. Uh, this is why deacons should be, one book puts it, of great faith, exemplary lives, uh, honest repute, brotherly love, warm sympathies, and sound judgment. So the office of deacon is a a very important one. The primary duty of the diaconate is the ministry of mercy, which includes chiefly, but is not limited to gathering and distributing monies to those in needs. Other appropriate diaconal work, think of this, could include yard and housework for seniors, sometimes done in conjunction with and the training of youth. This is a great way. I, I have some lectures on this Uh, in in preparing men for ministry and i say if a young person is saying i'm interested in ministry a young man say he's 14 15 well get a helping hands kind of program going with the deacons where they'll go over to seniors house and shovel their their drive take the snow away uh, cut the grass uh, rake the yard these sorts of things. And deacons often are also providing food for families mourning or with sick and recovering members. That's often done in conjunction with women of the church, and historically women worked very closely uh, in and with the diaconate. There can be financial counseling, uh, help with budgeting. As I said here, women have an important diaconal role to play in the church, and the diaconate does well to work with them in its ministry of mercy. The diaconate is not an office of rule but of service. Uh, Certainly there's a a bearing of authority within that office uh, as a proper, as part of its calling in Christ's church. Uh, The diaconate though serves under the guidance and authority of the elders, the session or the consistory, and as I say it's quite uh, helpful I think in our reformed churches that they have more regular meetings together Uh, in what they refer to as the council so all of these offices these special offices of minister of the word and sacrament ruling elders elders among the people deacons who are especially there as minister ministers of mercy washing the feet of the saints making sure that the saints have what they need to live their lives and especially as saints may be dispossessed or persecuted showing mercy to them All of these are a real gift from the Lord.
1: Well, beginning next week, Dr. J. Mark Beach, Professor of Doctrinal and Ministerial Studies, begins to look carefully at whether or not we have free will. That should be a fascinating series. Stay tuned for that. For more episodes, you can find us on our website at midamerica.edu podcasts. And wherever you listen to your favorite shows, be sure to search for and subscribe to Mid-America Reform Seminaries Roundtable. I'm Jared Luchabor. Till next time.